Hello, everybody, and welcome to season five of Radiance and Resilience. I'm Betty Parker, your host. I'm so excited about this season because I get to share it with you. There's so much excellent content because I'm bringing in this season a wonderful guest co-host with a wealth of knowledge and so many years of experience dealing with people who are in relationships at work in the community and even at home and how do we navigate and even overcome some of the giants that tend to threaten the relationships that we are trying to work on. So I'm excited about it because it introduces so many great concepts from my latest book, Crushing Goliath, Winning Practices for Slaying Giant People Problems. I've learned so much through this process. I hope you will learn as much too. So I'm going to tell you right now, grab a pen and paper, be fully prepared with an open mind and a heart to learn because I think this investment of your time in yourself will help you to become your greater you. Stick around after the break to learn so much more about what we have in store for you. Getting along with coworkers, supervisors, customers, and yes, even family members can be difficult at times. Differences are expected, but can still be hard to manage. Knowing how to handle those differences effectively and thoughtfully preserves those most important relationships. So how do you do it? Answers can be found within the pages of my latest book, Crushing Goliath, Winning Practices for Slaying Giant People Problems. I'm Betty Parker, and over the past 17 years, I've been helping people manage tough relationship issues, whether it's a boss who bullies, a coworker who's bossy, or a spouse whose input is a bit too critical, I tackle it all. Find out how when you get your copy of Crushing Goliath by going to crushinggoliath.com. In it, you'll find reflective questions, case studies, and discussion topics that challenge and engage you. Also, keep listening after the end of today's podcast to hear about the accompanying workshop. Get ready to slay the giants in your life. Order your copy of Crushing Goliath now. Welcome back. So one real treat you're in for is having the opportunity to hear me interview my co-host, my guest co-host, Dr. Katrina Hutchins of Resource Solutions. She has agreed to sit with me for the next nine episodes and to tackle these principles that are called the Goliath Method uh, that you'll find in the book, Crushing Goliath, Winning Practices for Slaying Giant People Problems, that we'll be talking about the majority of this podcast season. And so Dr. Katrina Hutchins, and we call her Dr. Kate affectionately, she is a very insightful person. She has had many years of experience working with a variety of different businesses and individuals and different aspects of life with an emphasis on women's issues. And she and I have very meaningful discussions. We discuss life all the time. We've had opportunities to experience a lot of different interactions with various people that we coach and that we train and develop. And so we're going to pull all of that together with our many years of experience, and we're going to share some of those insights with you. We're going to put those years of experience into perspective in relation to the principles that you'll find within the book. And so between the two of us, we think we'll be able to help you to map out something that would be useful in terms of your building relationships with others. This podcast is not just about 
leadership and individuals who have to report to those who are in leadership positions. But the intention of the book, as well as this podcast, is to provide a vast array of insight, whether it is in your work life or it is in your social life. However, and whomever you have to encounter, what do you do to make sure that you're not taking something away from that relationship that would benefit it and how you are being more additive and beneficial to the relationship by bringing your authentic self there and helping the person that you're connecting with to see all aspects of you in the way that you want to be seen and being able to see your skills and your strengths and what matters to you and what motivates you and what inspires you and those things that mean something to you and what you believe in and just a general sense of respect and civility and connection, friendship. And then through all of that, how do you put those things in various locations and aspects of your life? So how am I at work? How am I as a leader? How am I as a follower? How am I as a spouse? How am I as a parent? How am I as a friend or a sibling or a child? So there's so many things you bring to any relationship. This conversation that you're going to be able to eavesdrop on with Dr. Katrina, Dr. K and I will be hopefully very useful to you. And I want to hear from you in terms of what you are experiencing when you're hearing it, what you're thinking about, what you heard, what mattered to you, what resonated. You can leave a voicemail. We'll try to address those in the subsequent episode. So please, after having heard these, take a moment and give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And we'd also like to feature your voicemail in one of the subsequent episodes. So please, by all means, connect with us. Now, I want to take some time right now to tell you a story because the entire book is based on the story of David and Goliath. This is not a religious book, but it is a religious story. So I like all of the life application that you can assert for yourself through this short story about a small answer to a big problem. You may be very familiar with David and Goliath as a story. Maybe you haven't heard about it in a long time. Maybe you've never really read the full story and know all the details around it. So if this is going to be what we reference, the, the it's just so chock full of good life lessons. If this is the fundamental story of the entire book, then we need to f- familiarize you with this. So I'm going to give you a quick read of it and then tell you how to get engaged even further with the story and the book and all of the wonderful things that are associated with it at the end. So basically it's a story about a young boy, a 12 year old boy who's facing a huge problem in his life. And it kind of goes like this. There's a battle site where the Philistines are occupying one hill while the Israelites are over there flexing on another one. There's a valley that lay between them. Then there's this humongous guy named Goliath who's the prized possession of the Philistines. Now he's rumored to be over nine feet tall and he lives in this land of giants. Now, of course, people fear giants. And so the Philistines are capitalizing on that fear by terrorizing and dominating the inhabitants of all the surrounding lands. Not only is Goliath a brute with an imposing physique, but he also shelters himself in more than 140 pounds of gear for protection. I mean, he wants every advantage, right? Who needs that much gear when you're already nine feet tall? 
Nonetheless, Goliath emerges from among his people and he starts taunting the Israelites like a school a schoolyard bully. He is fearless and he is terrifying. And so he's asking them why they're ganging up against him and he's shouting at the army of Israel. He's telling them, look, you know, am I not a Philistine? And don't you grovel to Saul like some servant? Saul is their king, is the Israelites' king. He says, get somebody from among you to come down here to me. And if he can take me on and win, then we'll be your servants. But if I'm the winner, then y'all better get ready to serve me. This is what Goliath is telling the Israelites. So King Saul of the Israelites is starting to feel real crushed upon hearing this challenge that's been put out there by Goliath because he knows he has no way to beat Goliath. He is an oversized villain. And in fact, Saul is the tallest guy in his army, so most of the heat's going to be on him to step up and take on Goliath. But he knows he's no match for Goliath, so, you know, of course, he's over there shaking in his boots. Meanwhile, a distance away, there's a young boy named David who's tending to his father's sheep, and he's the youngest of eight sons, three of whom have already followed King Saul to the war. One day, David, his dad tells him to go take some food to his brothers and to bring back a report about the war. By the time David gets his orders and he leaves to carry them out, the Israelites and the Philistines have already been at a stalemate for 40 days. They've been posturing and making all kinds of empty threats. But there's basically been no action. I mean, this is not exactly a war. Fear has been paralyzed, the Israelites. And Goliath is continuing to just demoralize them with his taunts and all of his haughty talk. So he's stolen their dignity and their courage. They are basically an impotent brood. Now, when David arrives, a move is finally about to be made. So, oh, okay, things are about to start happening, right? Starting to heat up a little bit out there. The Israelite army, they're taking their position on the battlefield. Both armies have drawn lines in the sand and they're getting ready to face each other. You know, you're starting to feel like, oh, oh, it's time for war. It's about to go down. They put on their game faces. They kick up clouds of dirt like ferocious rodeo bulls in a pen before the gates fly open. The atmosphere is tense. Hearts are racing, fear and anxiety permeate the air. Each side is shouting out a war cry that carries out all over the desert. And they are attracting vultures from everywhere because they're ready to dine on any fresh bodies that are about to fall. So all of this stuff is going on. There's just chaos and pandemonium and fear and threats and noise. And then, and then, well, what happens next is a little disappointing. Not a single man goes out to take on Goliath. Not one. David runs to the battle line to find his brothers. He greets them and he asks them, what, you know, what's going on? So while he's inquiring, Goliath booms one of his threats like he has for the many days he's been doing this already. And David hears him and he is shocked at this man's defiance. Goliath's brazenness raises both David's anger and his courage. You know, he's thinking, how dare he? The Israelites, however, they're just out there loitering around. So news circulates that there's going to be these phenomenal prizes that will be awarded to the man who takes on Goliath and wins. The king is going to pay a huge monetary reward. He's going to give his daughter in marriage to the challenger. And he's going to eliminate the taxes that the fellow's family must pay. So the stakes are high, which means the prizes have to be valuable. But guess what? There are no takers. David, however, is intrigued. So he inquires about this offer. He says, now tell me, you know, what does the man get who 
kills this giant? And who is this fool who would dare go against us? Doesn't he know where God's armies? So David's older brother is around. He's overhearing him talking to one of the other men and he gets hot with rage, right? So he wants to know, you know, what are you doing here, you little runt? Aren't you supposed to be at home tending to those futile, pitiful sheep of yours? He says, I know what you're up to. You're here to see us suffer. You think we're going to lose. And of course, David is all innocent. He's like, now, wait a minute. I'm just asking a question. What have I done? <laughs> Can I even ask a question about what's going on out here? So he then turns around and he leaves his brother, who is just huffing and puffing with anger. And he continues to search for more information. Some of the soldiers who overheard David talking um, and expressing some interest in everything that's going on let King Saul know about it. And so Saul requests David to be brought to him. Now, out of desperation, you know, the king is open accepting anybody who, who shows even the slightest sign of courage. So when David meets Saul, he says, you know, hey, have no fear. I'm here, right? <laughs> I'll do the deed. I'm not afraid. But Saul says, you can't go out there. You're a youngster. And this brawler, I mean, he's been fighting since he was a kid. But David isn't deterred. He continues to plead his case. He says, look, I've taken on bigger and scarier enemies than this man. I'm a shepherd to my father's sheep, and they're always being stalked by animals looking to attack and feed on them. When a, when a lion or a bear comes and takes on or try to take one of the sheep, I go after it and I strike it down. I take back what's mine. I've defeated both lions and bears, and this heathen Philistine is no different from them. So he says, I fight with God, and he fights with me, so there will be no failure. Let me do this. So Saul says to David, okay, well, if that's what you think you want to do, go for it. And so to show his support, Saul decides to dress David up for battle. And so he places on him this uniform of war, we'll call it. David looks like he's a miniature Goliath. They put all this heavy equipment on him and it's very restrictive and cumbersome. So it doesn't feel right to David and he's sure it's gonna hinder his success. So he immediately removes it because it's too burdensome and he does what he knows best, what's worked for him in the past. So he takes his staff and he goes to a stream he collects five smooth pebbles and he puts them in his leather pouch. He holds his sling and he proceeds to approach the enemy without trepidation because he's battle tested and he's ready for war. So Goliath sees David approaching him and he goes out with his shield bearer to meet him. The closer he gets to David, he starts realizing that, you know, this is just a little boy, somebody that he believes is unfit to do battle with a man as mighty as he. So now he's insulted. And he says, what is this? You know, am I a dog that y'all would come to me with a stick? Are you going to discipline me with a whack? <laughs> he says, by the gods I serve, I promise I will stomp you like a grape. I'll feed your flesh to the vultures and I'll throw your remains to the beast of the field. So Goliath growls and he stumps and he makes a show of his rage before both armies so that he can keep up his terrorism campaign and his fear mongering. And it works for the Israelite army. But David isn't moved. He, he bristles and he pumps his chest and he responds to Goliath. He says, you come up against me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. But this fight isn't about the weapons in my hands or yours. I come in the name of the one who will make you fall and crumble like a, a mighty stone column when the earth quakes. And then he finishes his reply by declaring that God is going to fight his battle with him. So in a moment as defining as this, you might think that, you know, you hear all these cheers from the Israelites as they shout their support of David and raise their weapons in the air, of course, from the sidelines, because they ain't about to go run out there and do anything. But instead, they just stand idly by. They're just stuck in the middle of fear 
and hope. But nonetheless, the fight is on. So Goliath growls and he charges toward David and, and David screams and he darts toward Goliath. And I don't know, they must have looked like a grizzly and a dog on a collision course. So as, as Goliath rumbles forward, seemingly shaking the ground with every step he takes, David gets close to him. He stops. He pulls out his sling. He loads it with a pebble. He aims and then he releases. And in one fell swoop, and before anyone, including Goliath, can fully figure out what's going on, the pebble strikes Goliath in the forehead with the force of a boulder. And then Goliath stops before plunging forward like a collapsing skyscraper. He falls face down and he never moves again. He has been defeated. So now the shouts and the cheers erupt on the hill where the Israelite army is ecstatic beyond belief. And then David runs over to Goliath and he stands over him. He finishes him off and the Israelites show newfound courage and they pursue the Philistine army. And the Philistines, they retreat in defeat and the Israelites relentlessly chase them down and then they wage bloody war. Now, King Saul is watching all of this and he inquires of his army commander, whose child is that? And the commander's like, I, mean, I have no idea. And so Saul says, go find out. But before long, this little known shepherd boy who had originally come to the battle as an outsider is standing before the most influential and powerful man in the land. And after solving one of the biggest problems facing his people, he now has the attention of the king. So this story, as and you've probably, as you are listening to it, thinking about all kinds of ways that what David experienced in this story applies to your life. What are some of the giants in your life? How do you become a giant slayer? What do you need to know in terms of being able to walk away from your fear and to feel more confident, especially in conflict situations or when things get a little bit dicey? It doesn't have to be something explosive, but when things get a little bit dicey, how do you still overcome? You get through it, and then you overcome. The relationship remains intact. And you can go ahead and continue to progress and move on and move forward and pass it, right? There's all kinds of tips and tools that you can apply to any of these situations. And we're going to tease those out. There are eight different principles that you're going to hear about these practices. Uh, they are called the Goliath Method. Dr. K and I are going to take them one by one in each episode. And we're going to help you to learn how to clearly define problems. We're going to look at how to change the view of certain problems when they seem too big for us to undertake. You're going to hear about how our biases get in the way of us being able to come to reasonable conclusions about things. We're going to look at different ways to examine problems and how to arrive at the appropriate solutions for those problems. You're going to hear all kinds of wonderful input and feedback and ideas around some of the most difficult situations and where you may felt have felt in the past you've got to throw your hands up in the air because you're not quite sure what to do we think you're going to walk away with what to do these are very practical steps there is a lot of life application to some of these i'll give you just as an example because in the appendix of the book i i put them all together in and easy to read, easy applicable, and hopefully inspiring and motivating list of different lessons. So as an example, one of the story events was that 
um, King Saul was dismayed and dejected in the face of a difficult challenge, and he allowed his emotions to get in the way of his intellect. So the life application to that story event is that leaders who allow emotions to govern their responses to trouble are not likely to address an issue with adequacy or depth. Sometimes emotions must be put aside so action can be taken, right? How do we remove the emotion and approach our problems with, I don't objectivity, where we can be neutral and less judgmental and be more practical about our approaches? How many times have we allowed emotion to get in the way and we've said or done something that we regretted later and now you can't take that back? So that's one life lesson that we address. I'll give you one more before I move on. King Saul hid from battle with Goliath, even though he was the only one who came close to being a match for him. That's a story event. The life lesson is in the face of uncertain defeat, a leader must learn to lead with courage. Even if he must take the loss, he must not shrink back from the responsibility of leadership. How many times have you even been with a leader who's kind of skittish on the job? They don't seem to know what they're doing. They seem to be uncertain. And it's okay to not know everything as a leader. You're not supposed to, but if you surrounded yourself with people who do know, then you can be more confident in your leadership because you allow them to operate in their strengths and their knowledge. But for those who are afraid, they lead from a place of fear, they end up weakening their position as a leader and they add to the tension and the anxiety of their team. And so now doubt creeps in and we don't have the respect for those leaders that we should because they're showing us that they don't have the respect or the confidence in themselves to lead. So there's so many aspects of this, and I talk about this in depth with Dr. K. I think you're going to find some real robust conversation. You're certainly going to hear some really good op, uh, tools and tips you can use. And on top of that, there's going to be another layer of learning that you can participate in. And we really want to engage you because we want you to see the behavioral changes you anticipate or expect or want for yourself. And we'll tell you how to do that through some additional training. There will be workshops after the podcast. There will be workshops after reading the book. And all of these are layered one upon the other where you will find different information from each one. So the podcast covers one thing. The book tells you something totally, not totally different, but it builds upon that. In fact, the book can be a good book club uh, tool. So if you want to pull together some friends or even pull together some teammates on your job and you all want to start a book club, in the book, there are different case studies. There are all kinds of reflection questions, opportunities to debrief some applications, and just a way for you to talk through. We give you these conversation prompts that you can talk through what you just read. So the book can stand on its own, but it is complemented by what you see in the, or hear about in this podcast going forward, and most certainly in greater depth when you participate in the workshops. There's more coming about the workshops. I'll bring that information to you in the next episode, and you'll hear about it from then on out. You can always go to my website, thesharpersolution.com. It is posted on the description page of this podcast. 
and find out more information about the workshops, but we'd be happy to have you. This is going to be a great time of learning and development. And if you're one of those people who are looking for a way to improve self and to be your greater you and to improve relationships, then you are in the right place. So we invite you to be a part of it. We thank you for listening as long as you have. Now you have all the foundational stuff and now it's time to take the journey. So come with me. I'll go with you. Let's walk together and let's learn. Thanks so much for this week and tune in next Monday at 10 a.m. for our first episode. Thanks for tuning in to this season of Radiance and Resilience, a podcast for those seeking light and strength. I hope your interest is piqued by what you've heard so far. Your next step then is to pick up the book, Crushing Goliath, Winning Practices for Slaying Giant People Problems. You can do that in two ways. Go to crushinggoliath.com and purchase there or go to the website, thesharpersolution.com and scroll down to the middle of the homepage where you'll find an invite to purchase the book. Now, while you're there, click on the learn more button to register for our September workshops. The step after that is simply to listen for the next episode of Radiance and Resilience to drop on Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in the U.S. We look forward to taking this journey with you. Thank you so much for joining us.